Good morning, Highland. Good morning, everyone who's with us today. So thankful that you are joining us in this stream. Thankful to God that we're able to worship together, even though we're separated at this time, but we are still able to focus on God's word, still able to sing songs in our homes, and still able through this medium to hear God's word together. Uh, my title today, We Shall Assemble, comes uh, from a song that we sing, uh, but also that song is built off language from the Psalms. The notion of assembling is found throughout Scripture. It, it is sort of the, the defining characteristic of God's people in all generations. We gather together to hear His Word. We gather together to lift them up in song and praise. We, we gather together to, to cry out to the Lord in prayer. And while the most ideal and the most encouraging and, and the most uh, enriching method or even uh, attempt at doing that really comes down to when we're all able to gather together. You know, Paul would say things like in 1 Corinthians, when you all come together in one place. And sometimes that's very possible. And most of our history, at least in the United States, we've had that blessing to be able to gather together in public. But it's not always been the case in the history of the church. We've often had to worship privately. We've often had to worship in secret. And even today around the world, there are Christians that gather that must gather privately because of persecution. So even today, though, our, our understanding or our context here may be a bit different and maybe we are longing for that gathering. We have to realize that the church following God's word is defined by that very thing. We gather, we assemble to hear his word and to be his people. Today I want to talk about this particular question and this particular issue. And what I really want to do is just highlight a couple passages today that emphasize that the assembly, while important and beautiful and enriching and the backbone of the social part of who we are as a church and Christians, the assembly is not the focus. We assemble to praise God. We assemble to hear his word. And that's going to be the emphasis in this lesson is not to diminish our, our gathering together and our desire to gather together and the biblical authority that we have for gathering together, but instead to emphasize that really our goal is not being hindered and the identity of being God's people that gather to hear his word is not being reshaped or refocused, but instead we are still being who we are, adapting to our situation. So I want to take you on a couple of uh, little trips to, to three passages. The first one comes from Deuteronomy. As you see in the text, it says here, Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them at, at uh, the end of every seven years. 
at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. And so we, we see very clearly that God's people would gather together. Now, what kind of people would gather together? Well, notice this, the next part of this passage in Deuteronomy 31, when we look at verses 12 and 13, it fills in the blanks of who was supposed to gather together. Assemble the people, men, women, and the little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you were going over the Jordan to possess. And so what we see here in this first scripture, a point that I want to just bring out for us to think about is the beauty and the purpose of assembling. The beauty of assembling is all of us in this multi-generational assembly can come together from the little ones and to the older ones of the, of the heads of our households. Our families, our, our grandmothers and grandfathers, our mothers and fathers, our aunts and our uncles, our mothers, everyone in between, all the way to the youngest in our assembly. We're all gathered together to hear God's word and to be shaped by it and to have that, that biblical uh, value of the fear of the Lord, a value which is not so much just terror, but respect and a sense of a duty to what God says to us. We know who he is. We respect his place. And we understand our role in that relationship. But notice what this text says. That they may be careful to do all the words of this law. And it's not just for the parents and the older generation. But to get the children accustomed to hearing God's word. This is one of the key and crowning issues of the assembly is that it, it brings us together and aligns our thinking and our values and our choices and our decisions and aligns it up with God's word. We're lined up. We're in sync. But we won't have that. We, don't, we won't just have that by gathering together. And, and sometimes gathering together is no more than just a, a social event. We're not doing anything other than being around each other and being there for each other. And while that is a value and that is important, that's something I miss extremely at this time. The core spiritual instruction side of the, of the assembly is to hear God's word. And so if we're going to be God's people... And we can multiply a passage like this over and over. We're just going to look at two more similar passages. But when you think about what's happening right now, and if, you ever, if you're concerned about, are we losing our identity? Are we losing the sense of being the church by not assembling together? Let me say from the very beginning here that no, we are not losing our identity. We do not have to lose the shape of who we are if we gather to hear God's word together which is what we're doing right now. So assemble the people, assemble the men, assemble the women and assemble the children. 
Do this now. Bring them into listening to this message. Bring them in to hearing God's word when, when you have opportunity to assemble. You should think multi-generational when you think about coming and hearing God's word. We can still do that, even separated. We can still do that if we are of one mind, being connected to the ministry of what we're doing here. We can still hear God's word together. And so as we pause for a moment and we, we think about who we miss, we think about missing the, the voices and congregational singing, when we think about missing the, the prayers of some of the most faithful in our assemblies, when we, we hear the years of faith pouring out of their lips in prayer, when we, when we can hear the, the devotion in their, their voices and in their hearts as they sing, when we can see it in their faces, the things, these are the things that we miss about coming together. When we, we catch up to brothers so-and-so or sisters so-and-so, and we can reach out to them and hug them, and, and they can be mothers to, to younger people, or we can be children to these, these older members of our, of our body and assembly. While we miss that dynamic and miss the singing, let us remember that assembly has to do with our willingness to come and submit ourselves to the wisdom of God's word and have our lives reshaped by it. And so uh, I want to show you another passage in Joshua chapter 8. So when you look at Joshua chapter 8, uh, Joshua is a book about uh, the people taking uh, the land of promise and possessing it. And this is a fulfillment of God's promise. In fact, this is the very thing that was mentioned in our last passage. Uh, when you go in to possess the land. And so as these people, the Israelites, go and they go in to possess the land, they go in with a full sense of knowledge of who they are. The word of God has shaped their identity. And that's what the word of God is supposed to do for us, to, to continue to chisel out the, the shape of the world and reshape us after the image of Jesus, the Son of God. And here we have another example that this idea of gathering together or an assembly to hear God's word is key and fundamental to being God's people. So Joshua, it says here, at that time Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel on Mount Ebel, just as Moses, servant, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses which he had written. Now notice this. And all Israel and sojourner as well as native born with their elders and officers and their judges stood on the opposite side of the ark before the Levitical priests who, were, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebel. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, 
the blessing and the curse according to all that is written in the book of the law. And so as, as Joshua sets forth in a very uh, ancient Near Eastern way, the law of Moses, he sets it out probably in a very public way so that everyone can read it and everyone can have access to it. It is also in preparation for what will happen next. Listen to this. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. Everyone was exposed to the word of God. Everyone gathered to be exposed to the word of God, to understand who their God is, to understand their place and their relationship with him and why it's important to be continually mindful of the word of God. Of all the things that we often miss about worship, it's usually the singing, I think. But I think we have unfortunately overemphasized our worship side because what is of real value in terms of shaping people is hearing God's word. As worship is important, as important as it is, it is far more important that we understand God's word, that we know who we are supposed to be, and that we know how he wants us to love people in the world and share his message. Assembling helps us do that. Technology is helping us accomplish that. It is not the only way that it should be done. It is not the only way that it could be done. But it is allowing us to continue being the body of Christ, though separated right now. And so remember when we're focusing on God's word and we gather together, whether right now we're at homes or when we are able to finally come together in, in our building, in our facilities. Remember the beautiful thing that what, what is tying us all together. It's not the singing as, as important and as beautiful as that is. It is the gathering together to hear God's word. To understand the narrative of our story. To understand where we're going and what we're supposed to be doing. As it says here, not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the Israel, all the assembly of Israel. There was not a single word that he didn't say. And so on our last passage, we're going to be hearing from our Lord Jesus. And I want us to think about what Jesus is saying here. And leading up to this, remember that part of the issue with our ministry, the ministry of our Lord Jesus is that he was, in, in, he was involved with a lot of people that had very strong traditions and very strong values. And those often came in conflict with when Jesus would teach straight from Scripture. And so what we end up seeing here is throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospel accounts, Jesus' um, confrontations and the controversies often had to do with these traditions and these and these, these uh, misunderstandings. The misunderstandings were also about his character, uh, his work, his identity. But often it had to do with scripture versus tradition. I think of, for example, Matthew chapter 15. And while that's an important passage, because immediately following Matthew chapter 15, in the discussion of man-made traditions versus the word of God and how Jesus was emphasizing how that the, the Jews at this time, the, in particular the, the Pharisees at this time, were emphasizing tradition to the point that they 
made void the word of God through their traditions. Chapter 16, though, when we see Jesus uh, begin to interact with his disciples, uh, asking them what the general consensus was about him. In Matthew chapter 16, we read this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now this, this is a very you know, famous statement of our Lord Jesus. This is a very famous passage regarding the confession of Peter. And what follows next is also equally important and equally famous in Scripture. And Jesus there says to Peter, And I say to you, Peter, uh, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged them, the disciples that is, to tell no one that he was the Christ. It's in this passage, it's in this passage that I want to call your attention to this issue again. That the word behind, you know, church, we often call it ecclesia. Uh, it's one of the only, one of the few Greek words that most church people know. Um, because it, it defines who we are. It, technically speaking, it means, it means an assembly. A gathering of people. Uh, the Greek word had to do with military assemblies, political assemblies, uh, civic assemblies. We see all those examples in the New Testament. But it also has to do with its connection to the Old Testament. In fact, the Greek Old Testament. The word that would be used, for example, in Deuteronomy that we saw the passage before, in Joshua the passage before, it would be used to translate the Hebrew word kahal for assembly. And my point in bringing this up is to connect us and to bridge the understanding that Jesus most likely had the sense of a people that will gather together to follow God's word. A people gathered together that will hear his word and be shaped by it. When Peter revealed he understood what God was doing in Jesus, when Peter revealed and confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, it had to do not just with what Jesus was doing, but also in the teaching that Jesus gave. Peter wasn't just there for the miracles. He was there also to witness the teaching. And Jesus did more than anything besides miracles, but he did teach. He taught. Matthew has five major discourses. Luke has countless parables that are not recovered, that are not you know, recorded anywhere else. The Gospel of John is nothing but teaching by Jesus. Mark, although more about action than doing, has several moments where Jesus is you know, caught teaching. The point is this, when you follow Jesus, when you are a Christian, you are following teaching. You are following teaching. 
That is at the core of who we are. When we assemble, we assemble to hear God's word. When we assemble, when we assemble, we're being exactly who we're supposed to be. My brothers and sisters and friends and those who are near to the kingdom of God, I know that right now, if you're not able to worship with your people or you're not able to worship with our family here at Highland, that this can be a really hard time. And sometimes we question whether or not we're doing the right things. I think it's fair to ask if we're doing the right things. But when you evaluate scripture and you think about what does it mean to be a people after God's own heart, part of that has to do with hearing his word. And when we assemble and we sing songs at home, we partake of the Lord's Supper together at home, we are in keeping with following his word. Don't be distracted by the concern if we're doing the right thing. We are. And we're doing the right thing right now, hearing his word. I'm so thankful for you being here with us. Thankful for the privilege of being uh, in your, your, your own home space at this time. We pray that this message is a blessing to you. If there's any way we can help you, please don't hesitate to reach out to us for prayers or encouragement. We would be very happy and privileged to be blessed to be able to help you in that way.